Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening. Welcome to this week's Man of the Post Extra Time. I am your host. I am Chris. Uh, with me as ever, I've got Ryan. How are you doing? Hello, I'm, I'm all right. Thanks, you? Yeah, good. Thank you very much. And we've got a special guest this week, all the way from the WFI Index, World Football Index. We've got Dave. How are you, Chris? How are you, Ryan? Pleasure to be here. We're great. Thank you ever so much for coming on. Now, two things we always ask people when they come on the show. What team do you support? Uh, for my sins, I am a lifelong sufferer of Liverpool. Fantastic! Look, we've been doing this podcast. <laughs> I've been doing this podcast two and a half years. It's the first time I've had a Liverpool fan. Oh, you've got a money one. <laughs> Be warned. The week we drew three three with Crystal Palace, I had to do this podcast with an Everton and a Manchester United fan. Oh, I feel your pain. They were long. That was a long hour and a bit. That was that was pretty bad. Uh, and also, have you ever seen the wire? No. Have you not? No, yeah, I've, I've been living in Brazil without internet for nearly four years. I've only got streaming back as an option in the last four weeks. Oh, and make sure you get the, make sure you watch this then. Okay, on my list, along with the others you told me pre-pod. <laughs> yeah, oh no, it's very good. Uh, right, this week we're going to be talking about the Champions League, and we're going to be previewing this weekend's uh, Premier League fixtures. Um, where should we start first? Of all? I'll tell you what, Group A will start first of all. Uh, seems about sensible. And... Uh, PSG won, Arsenal won, Edison Cavani after 42 seconds, um, and then Alexi Sanchez scoring one of my favourite types of visual goals where the ball comes to the edge of the area and not only does someone strike it, you have the despairing dives by defenders and then he doesn't break his run as he goes off to celebrate. That's always good fun to watch. Who saw this one? Saw the goal, um, but I saw the goals, but that was about yeah. it. I didn't see anything else in the game. No, did you see this, Dave? Again, pretty much like Ryan, um, goals only. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't get to see it sadly. Well, look, I tweeted on Friday because I watched a bit of PSG on Friday night um, when they played Saint Etienne. That whenever I think of Edison Cavani, it's always um, him sticking a, a, a pinpoint cross. Uh, he's always got some kind of bullet header going four feet over the bar from a pinpoint cross from Di Maria, and it seemed to be the case again on Tuesday night. He seemed to miss chance after chance after chance. Um, you've got a couple of Uruguay fans on your podcast, haven't you, Dave? They must be despairing as much as any PSG fan. Well, the funny thing is, I've actually seen Cavani here in Brazil, what was it, three times now, playing for Uruguay. And uh, it, for me, he's a, the, the amount of work that that guy puts in on the pitch is immense. But his finishing at times can be a little amiss, let's say. Um, I, I was actually at the uh, Brazil-Uruguay game um, in March past there and Cavani was absolutely outstanding uh, he scored he occupied the Brazilian defence he's just to me he's a player I love but he's a very very frustrating player you know he, he has all the attributes and just doesn't seem to be able to, 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 to finish and that seems to be his problem 
And I remember watching him at Napoli and what a player he was there. And I think that maybe it's, I, I always class it's the, the Ibrahimovic hangover he had because he was pushed out to the right so many times uh, by Laurent Blanc, Laurent Blanc. And I think that basically he needs to get back in that number nine rule again, like we saw against Arsenal. And that's where you're going to get the best out of him. And this is, you know, early doors this season for him. So I expect to see a big improvement from, from that guy. As for the Uruguayans we have on the pod, like, I mean, they love him. He's nearly up there with Suarez. Um, he is, and, and within the country of Uruguay, Cavani is a big, big national hero, big guy with a big heart, does a lot for the country and so on. Very population of about three million down there. You know, sometimes we, we forget how small a population they have, but he is considered one of the, one of the big heroes of the country. See, I feel quite sorry for him, like you're saying about Ibrahimovic. So maybe he is a massive confidence player and he needs about sort of half a dozen games or so playing number nine. And as soon as he gets, if he gets a brace in a game or a hat trick in a game, that'll be him away up and running. No, I would tend to agree with you. You know, you can cite this time at Napoli where he was, he was a dangerous, dangerous player to be, to be lurking about your, the, the penalty box. And, and again, he, he lost that. And you know, you see, at our own club, we, we've seen at the moment Daniel Sturridge, the difference between playing through the middle and, and out in the right. Um, it is, when a player is playing in his natural position, the position that he is most comfortable in, you will get much more results from him. And, and I think this is what I've seen of Cavani. Uh, live certainly has always been in the number nine role as as the striker uh, with with Suarez buzzing around him. Not a bad combination to have. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> um, Ryan, Wenger yes. made a few changes to this, didn't he? He dropped Peter Cech for a spinner and little dibbly dobbly bits like that, didn't he? I mean, arguably, our spinner kept the minute, but was it really the game to go making all those changes? Yeah, you'd think, you know, considering the opposition, I don't know whether he thought you know, resting players would be a good idea or maybe it's a different experience thing. But Czech, for example, has got the experience. So you can't sort of think why he'd, he'd put a spinner in instead. Wenger's a very strange being, though, really. He probably just thought, oh, PSG, you know, oh, it's time to rest some players for, you know, game at the weekend when it's PSG. You, you'd want to put your, your best squad out there. Yeah, it seems a little bit strange. Um Olivier Giroud came on and he got a red card on, a, on an opening Champions League round for the second successive season. Him and Verratti got sent off together. He wasn't on very that, long, was he? Well, that whole thing was just bizarre. I, someone was trying to explain it to me. I, I watched the clip back at work and someone was trying to explain it to me. And I was just like, I don't really get what's happened or no. why both of them are so frustrated. They've clearly had a bit of a you know dig at each other or something. I mean, Giroud sort of looks like he was a bit of a silly boy anyway, sort of blocking Verratti's runaway type thing. Yeah, well he's... And then it all got a bit silly, didn't it? And then He's not got a very long fuse, has he, Verratti? But I think they were saying on the radio that apparently he got a very bad... On the telly, they're saying that Giroud got quite a bad reception from the Parisian fans. And maybe that was a Euro 2016 hangover and it um, it rather vexed him. Maybe, yeah. Um, Pretty even on the stats, though. PSG 53% possession and 11 shots compared to Arsenal's 10. Um, Arsenal won, haven't won any of their last three Champions League openers. They've drawn one and lost two. Doesn't really matter though, does it, Dave? If it's the opening week? No, but do you not? Do you guys not feel that, that Arsenal are a very, very strange animal and have been always under under Wenger in the Champions League? And it, uh, to me, it sort of sometimes feels like a lack of ambition. It's almost like you know, get through the group stage. You're, you're you're getting fourth every year, or be in the top four in the Premier League. Get to the Champions League. Get to the last sixteen. 
go out, job done. Um, you, you know, I know that, that Wenger is very frugal with, with uh, the board's money. Uh, he spent a little bit more in, in recent seasons, but there's so many years that he didn't dip into the coffers and, and so on. And for me, it's just like Arsenal are a team that should be kicking on. They're, should, they're a team that should be challenging for, for titles. They're a team that should be you know targeting the Champions League to go far in. But it almost seems like they just settle for for you know getting out of the group, going out in the last sixteen and the last eight, and it's just so many years now. And I know a few Arsenal fans, and, and they're very frustrated with Wenger. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I think Wenger is still one of the best managers in the Premier. Obviously, we've got our standard went up a little bit in the in the last couple of seasons, but for a long time, Wenger was one of the best, and in my opinion, still is. And I just don't get why he doesn't have that ambition to kick on to to, to invest because clearly, you, you know, the Arsenal are a rich club; they've got the money. Uh, to do that and, and invest properly, they, they've needed a goalkeeper and a striker for forever. I, you know, Giroud does score. There's no two ways about it. He's effective, but I, I do think he—he's one of those ones who could be easily upgraded. I don't know what you guys, you guys would think about that, but certainly I've thought that for a, certainly last season. Anyhow, that I thought they would would go for the upgrade. I think there's that you can definitely get an upgrade on Giroud, and I don't yeah, think absolutely. you'd have to break the bank at fifty million pounds. I mean, you look at it's a different position, but you look at the twenty million that Man City paid for Gundogan. Um, in today's, you know, the, the last forty-eight hours of the transfer window, that looked like a, like a steal, didn't it, Ryan? Yeah, especially if you consider it, if you compare Gundogan to Suzuko, for example, you know the fact that Gundogan cost less than a, a Championship level player potentially. You know, that sort of says how the market's changed. So to have secured that type of player, it's incredible. I do feel a bit with Wenger. When he came over, he had all his sports science ways and um, he was seen as very much the innovator, isn't he? And now, is he a bit of a dinosaur? You've got all these managers that have come in and overtaken him and you've got young managers like Eddie Howe coming in on the way. Um, maybe he's just had his day, Wenger, and Arsenal haven't got the heart to get rid of him because otherwise maybe they could have got Guardiola. Potentially, I mean, I think we had a discussion about this last season, you know, whether you could get rid of Wenger, who would you get in to replace him? All the big managers are, are taken at this point, really, and most of them are in the Premier League, so it's not like you can prize them away um, from their current clubs because everyone's pretty much moved on to bigger and better things than sort of the usual suspects anyway. So it, it's tough to see where Arsenal would go past Wenger. Bielsa, Dave? Oh, now that'll be interesting, wouldn't it? That yeah. really would be interesting. But I, I think you know, I, I can't ever see Wenger being fired by Arsenal. I really don't. I think, and, and, and I'm I'm happy about that. I think they'll part ways at the end of a season, whether it be this season or the next. I think you're you, really, um, if you were Wenger, you'd sort of be saying to yourself, you know, how many years now? Seven. This is the seventeenth season. I mm. think uh, uh, maybe more. Twenty. Is it? Is it as far as that? Wow. Oh, no, 19 you know, or that, 20, yeah. In, in today's world, that that is, you know, it, it's, it's a long, long time. And I think it's maybe, maybe it is time for to freshen Arsenal up. Like that, that stadium, which is absolutely magnificent, beautiful stadium, brand new stadium. And, and again, you know, looking at it from, from my point of view, I just never got Arsenal under Wenger. 
while I admire the man greatly as a coach and a manager, um, I never understood why they, they didn't want to just kick on. They, it, to me, it always seems just like settling. Like the conversation we had about, you know, survival in the Premier League, it's almost like we got to the top four, that's okay, we'll get into the Premier League, hopefully we'll get a run in it. But it never seems to be broken hearted about going out in the last 16 or the last eight. Uh, you, you know, Gunners fans just don't seem to be that, they just seem to resign to it almost. Um, that, that, that is the way that their season goes. And you would never hear Arsenal fans go, Oh, we're going to win the Champions League this year. You know, we're going to have a run in this Champions League. They're sort of resigned to, to the fate of, of, you know, last 16 or last eight and out the door. Yeah. There's like a sort of miasma hanging over the place, isn't it? Whereas if his contract's up at the end of the season, and maybe if he goes, there'd be a bit of impetus for next season. Yeah. And, and, you know, there, there was, there was a lot of value to be had in that, in, in the market this season. And I'm not sure that, that Wenger, Maybe is is the man anymore in that regard? You know, we used to unearth some gems from from France, but as you say, that was that was a while back. You know, you look at Guardiola. Now, for example, what Guardiola has stolen from South America this season—it's yet to arrive um, at the at the ad. But when it does, the potential there of uh, you know Raheem Sterling, Mar- Marlos Moreno. Um, Gabi Jesus, who is just a player at the moment for Palmeiras and also for Brazil who is just going from strength to strength. And I think they picked him up for about 21, 22 million. My God, this kid is going to be a star. You know, we've, we've said down here in Brazil that we don't have a number nine for the national team for so many years. And Diego Costa buggering off to Spain hasn't helped things much. Uh, but we now have Gabby Jesus, who I think is going to be, you know, Sergio Aguero's natural replacement, but he may be the replacement for Aguero much quicker than people believe. I think that uh, young Moreno, out and loan at Deportivo La Coruña, uh, hasn't got an awful lot of game time there at the minute, but over the course of the season, I think he's going to make his mark there. He's an absolutely outstanding player, picked up for £4.7 million. Brilliant bit of business. And when you, when you, when you reflect on that, how Manchester City have, have done in the transfer window, as opposed to what Arsenal are doing, it shows you the, the difference of, of, well, I'm, I'm thinking of a word, ambition, so to speak. Yeah, he did look an absolute steal, didn't he, Marino? That four million pounds. Oh, I mean, you know, our, our podcast, World Football Index, we have a very strong uh, emphasis on South America, and he is our poster child for World Football Index. We just can't get enough of him. Uh, the kid is just exciting. Every time he gets the ball, it's just, he's just electric. He's got a finish on him. He's got it all. And I'm just hoping that, that he doesn't waste away at Deportivo when they actually give him game time. Uh, I would hope that that's somewhere in, in the agreement that he does get that game, game time. I can't wait for this kid to hit the Premier League. Uh, Liverpool had looked at him. I'm broken hearted that they, they, they were beaten to the mark by, by City. Yeah, I remember that. Um, Elsewhere in Group A, Basel won, Ludogretz won. Um, I can't read my writing, so I can't see who scored for Basel. But Jonathan Cafu scored for uh, Ludogretz. Uh, they took the lead first. Group C, this was a small matter of Barcelona 7, Celtic 0. Now, Barcelona winning 1-0. Um, Celtic got a penalty and Moussa Dembele missed. So, Ryan, if he'd scored that penalty, would it have been a different game or would it have been Barcelona 7, Celtic 1? I think it would have been Barcelona 7, Celtic 1. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Barcelona was just another level, really. Um, and Celtic have sort of proven that they're not ready for the Champions League in that in that capacity. You know, Barcelona are just so unbelievable. The attacking talent is just sort of so... There's such a gulf between the two clubs. It doesn't really seem fair. 
I don't think Celtic were bad. It's just that Barcelona couldn't allow them to be terrible because they just had the ball so much. Um, I mean, they had 80 percent possession at one point. What was your yeah, favourite Was your favourite volley the Iniesta volley or the Suarez volley? I'd say the Suarez volley. Yeah, I yeah. second that one. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, because of the technique. Yeah, it, it was just. Yeah, it was just so different. It was so sort of. Suarez, yeah, it was just Suarez. It was just fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, I know, I know. I just like the fact that he came running in Iniesta and just sort of smashed it and carried on running again. Um, yeah, with the penalty, did you see uh, to Stegen sledging Dembele just before he took it? He had a few words and wobbled his arms around like Bruce Grobler. I didn't see it. I I know I've seen to Stegen quite a few times, and I can just sort of picture it anyway. (laughs) Uh, well, in the last two seasons, Messi, Suarez and Neymar have scored 253 goals and 120 assists. Which isn't bad. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? It's alright. It'll do. <laughs> to, to be honest with you, Chris, I think if, if Celtic had scored a penalty, it might have been more than seven. You didn't want to make them angry, you know what I mean? Oh, is that the worst thing you, <laughs> you do is score that's... against these teams? Yeah, exactly. That, they're just hitting seven with zero. That's okay. You don't want to go into double figures. You don't want to poke them with a stick and make them angry. No. Well, this was Celtic's worst ever defeat in the Champions League, this was. Well, they do have Brendan Rodgers. I'm saying no more than that. It was an outstanding performance by Barcelona. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> do you know what? I listened to his post-match interview and I just I just th- kept thinking, please say outstanding, please say outstanding. But he didn't. He very dis- much disappointed me. <laughs> um, well, he... he, he... Did say actually um, during the week again put him in front of a microphone he commits suicide that if he had been Barcelona manager he'd have won a trophy by now you know, I don't know what Mensa group he belongs to but seriously it it's painful listening to the man sometimes he didn't say that did he did he really say that oh he he really said that yeah he he came out it was he was quoted in the, in the press uh, with with that statement and you know. I, I'm very frustrated with Brendan Rodgers because I do see a decent brain, a football brain in there. But sadly, when, when he opens his mouth, all the all, all the good that I see in him just, just evaporates in, in about 10 seconds. He just can't resist the opportunity to, to basically make a fool of himself and, and, and speak above his station. And, you know, I, I don't, don't get me wrong, it's awful to see any team getting pasted 7-0. But, uh, you know, given, given, given his comments, I, I did give me a little giggle whenever I saw that one. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. There is a, I can't work out whether he's a really, really good coach who just needs to find his feet or whether he's a complete charlatan. I'm sort of, I can't quite figure out. I think he's more of a sort of a coach rather than sort of a full on manager. Uh, when he was at Chelsea, managing or sort of dealing with the youth team, it was great. And, and but everywhere he's gone since, he's just sort of, you know. Ran. He he didn't have a microphone in front of him in that particular. <laughs> oh no! Well, exactly. And I think that's that, that's where it all falls apart. Just generally, he everywhere he goes, he just seems to sort of muddle through, um, uh, and sort of think, well, this is, you know, I'm getting close to something, and and with Liverpool, you know, it got got you close, and then I probably probably ended up saying something stupid anyway. <laughs> it's just Brendan Rodgers is just such a bizarre man because he should have all the talent in the world and, and for some reason he just doesn't seem to show it anywhere no it's very odd any man has a painting of himself and also the other deeply thing, suspicious yeah <laughs> I, you know I once knew a man who um, he used to go down to the gym quite a lot and he took loads of steroids and was a very big sort of muscly bodybuilding man he had a statue of himself made in his garden <laughs> 
Brendan has two. <laughs> <laughs> He's very small as well, isn't he? I wonder if that's anything to do with it. Maybe. Napoleon complex and all that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that does. Um, well, also in Group C, delay from Wednesday, uh, Tuesday night to Wednesday was uh, Manchester City for... Um, Again, my handwriting, not Bangladesh. Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, Neil, Aguero scored a hat-trick, his second hat-trick of the season, and then Ian Atcher at the end. Um, first goal was fantastic, wasn't it? That sort of slick passing that they had. Yeah, that was Raheem, a really good goal. Raheem Sterling's starting to look like Raheem Sterling again as well. And it, it pains me to say that as a Liverpool supporter. Um, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed his, his demise last season uh, after after the transfer fee, but... That kid, you know, there was a couple of little turns. Couple, of, he just whatever Guardiola's put into him, whatever confidence Guardiola has instilled in, in Raheem Sterling, completely different animal. And that whole city team at the minute, considering what are we five or six games they've played with Guardiola, and look at the difference from Pellegrini. You know, whether it be the league, whether it be the Champions League, there's a four, another four nil spanking. They are looking really, really good. And you know, as, as we said, Aska Duggan just coming into the team now. It's only going to get better, and as that, as Pep puts his system in place, as he instills his what he wants from his team in week on week, wow, we could be in for a scary Manchester City this season. Yeah, but he all he does is just inherit good teams. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. To, to be fair to him, I think one of the reasons that Raheem Sterling has probably been more positive is if you're a player and, and a manager comes in and he almost says. You're going to go, you're going to go, you're going to go. The people that are left are going to think, well, I must be pretty valued. Um, because he's already come in and he's chopping the, the dead weight as he probably sees it, you know, letting people like Nasri and people go on loan. You know, it's that thing of, he said to Joe Hart, you know, quite a beloved figure. He said, you're not going to fit my system. So I'm not going to keep you. And as a, as a player watching that, you must think, he thinks I'm going to fit into his system. I'm going to have to re- repay that faith. Um, by performing to the best of my ability. I think he's a massive confidence player. When he was at Liverpool, um, there was a Merseyside derby at Everton and he was through on goal and he had Suarez. He could have either shot or passed it to Suarez and he he chose the shot instead and he missed. And Suarez gave him the most almighty bollocking or public bollocking on the pitch. (laughs) And every time he got the ball after that, Raheem Sterling, all he did was, even if he was in a better position, was look to play for Suarez. And I think that sort of shows him a little bit because he's just a massive confidence player and I think Pep has obviously said something or given him the, the sort of signs that he believes in him an awful lot and it's made Sterling feel 20 feet tall yeah absolutely I think so um, Ian Acho I saw a, a couple of tweets over the international period um, someone tweeted that Inacho was better than Marcus Rashford because he'd scored over the international period and Rashford hadn't, despite the fact he's playing like Botswana and Rwanda and people. Um, but Inacho, he's scored 16 goals in 1,351 minutes in Manchester City, which averages as one goal every 84.4 minutes. That's not bad, he, is he's, it? He's a special kid. Yeah. Um, I mean, last season he was... Coming into the team, scoring goals, and I, I think I feel a bit sorry for him because Rashford was taking all the headlines when, really, because he's you know English player, you know, uh, but with Ianacho, it was just like he came into a game and he'd score. You know, as you said, you know, eighty-four minutes per goal. It, it's just he, he almost seemed to fly under the radar a little bit. Yeah, and that I think that helped him because there wasn't this heaps of pressure. He could come onto a game, 
and it'd score and he'd be doing his job and he'd be happy about it and that's the same thing confidence building still a bit of uncertainty with Claudio Bravo wasn't there Dave did you see that there's a, couple, there's a pass back from Zabaleta which he pretty much volleyed straight at him and then there was another couple of sort of pass backs that he got tangled under his feet a little bit as well yeah, then again, you know, he's, he's adapting to a new league. Uh, it, it, you know, coming from La Liga, it's not as frenetic as, as the Premier League. Certainly what he would play down here in Chile as well and, and for, for international football wouldn't be as frenetic as that. So I think Claudio Bravo's going to need maybe four to maybe five to ten games to, 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 to settle in. You know, let's not forget, remember David De Gea whenever he first came over? Okay, but yeah, he was, but, Younger than, than Bravo, but less experienced. But again, that change sometimes can just take a little while. I would expect Bravo took the game much longer. Uh, again, the age thing, but Bravo's not a bad keeper. I don't think he's any better than Joe Hart. If, if, if you had to put the two together, he's better at certain things than Joe Hart, who also had a clangor on his debut, uh, at the weekend there. Uh, but Is he as for Chile and what's beating his chest and shouting in the tunnel as Joe Hart. No, I doubt he's, he's not. I think he's a little bit more mild than that, <laughs> mild mannered than that. But certainly from, from what I see of him playing for Chile and so on, you know, he's a decent keeper. Uh, but again, he's playing in a completely different, uh, style of, of league from La Liga or an alien world compared to what we, he'd be playing in South America. But I, I think he's good enough, uh, for, for City there. Certainly there's not, he's not going to be tested that much he's not if he was in a mid table team i'd maybe worry a little bit more for him uh being exposed more but i think with at city he's perfect he's what guardiola wants he's a, he's a goalkeeper who's happy with the ball at his feet uh and and that seems to be number one prerequisite for 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 pep, pep guardiola is a footballing goalkeeper and and fair enough uh but but overall if i, if I have a look at heart and him i don't see that much of a difference he'll settle but just give him a little time yeah Oh, quick quiz. Uh, Sergio Aguero has now scored two pre- um, two hat-tricks in the Champions League. Um, he's the third English or the third Premier League player to do this. Can anybody name the other two? Oh, Fernando Torres? No. Well, one played for um, one played for Liverpool, but also had a spell with those other dirty reds. And the other one is a uh, former Manchester United player. Van Nistelrooy? No. Is it like Andy Cole or yeah, something? Yeah, Andy Cole. Yeah. Who's the other one? Played for Liverpool and Manchester United. Paul Ince uh, is the only one I can think of. No, the other one. The one with the squeaky voice. Uh, uh, who? Michael Owen. <laughs> My mind's just gone blank. Michael In Owen. the Champions League? Yeah. Oh, bloody hell, you always forget about him at United. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't consider him one of ours by the time he joined United. That's the problem. He was already not one of ours. Why don't he been a few places? Uh, do you know what? There's a Manchester United fan that sometimes comes on here, Paul. And um, he tweeted something the other day, which was basically a mick take out of um, Mike Lowen. And I said, does he not get any slack cut towards him for that last second goal he scored against City in the derby? Nah. No, we don't like him. <laughs> Even and and we just goal. forget about him. And, and Liverpool, like I know, you never think of Owen. I never think of it of Michael Owen at United because obviously his game had, had decreased so much by the time he arrived there. He was a shadow of what we saw at Anfield uh, for for so many years. Like he was breathtaking when he came. His pace was wow. They talk about uh, Sadio Mane, but Michael Owen, I think, would have maybe even been faster than that. He was breathtaking as a kid. I was never struck that much because it came so soon after Fowler. I was never that struck on Michael Owen. Oh, the, the only thing I must think about Michael Owen now is just 
in the list of the worst commentators on TV. <laughs> the most boring commentators on yeah. TV. He's bad. He's really bad. <laughs> um, but if you if you saw well, the first time you ever saw one live and you know, a ball over the top or something and him chasing it, it was it was wow. Wow, wow. I always remember it was Anfield. We were playing Sheffield Wednesday. I think it was early or mid-90s. And just, wow, this kid just took off. And it was just like, I'd never seen anything as fast in all my life. And I understand because I had a great affinity towards Fowler. But Owen sort of impressed. The moment moment you saw him live, it was just, wow. Yeah, I suppose we've got the 2001 Cup final, haven't we? Well, there was that. (laughs) (laughs) he, He won that in style for us. Yeah. We should never have won that game, but it's brilliant we did. Um, well, oh. well, uh, St- Stefan Honcho did his best to try and stop it, but <laughs> <laughs> we 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 overcame. Stefan Honcho, crikey, we did it right with him, didn't we? That was the, him and Sammy at the back. Yeah, it, it was okay. And Sa- uh, was it Sander Westerfeld? It was Sander Westerfeld at times at that time and goal, I think, as well. Yeah, before Pepe Rainer arrived, oh, before Jersey. We had Sander Westerfeld, then it was Jersey Dudek, and then it was Pepe, wasn't it? I was, yeah, but I think it was Sander Westerfeld was still there at that stage for for that cup final. Yes, because we had then he had a couple of clangers, and then they bought Chris Kirkland and Jersey Dudek on the same day, didn't they? That's that's right, and it was Chris Kirkland was going to be our number one. It never really worked out that way. No, no, he wanted to become a fireman in the end. Yeah, something like that. It was a, it was a tragedy what happened to, to Kirkland because he was really touted as England's number one or future number one. Yes. And he just fell off the fell off the side of the planet. He'll be sat on a park bench drinking mess with Richard Wright one day, <laughs> cursing <laughs> us, cursing yeah. us, bringing it up on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, also um, Spurs won Monaco too. Uh, Monaco went two 0 up in this one, didn't they? Welcome to Wembley. Yeah. Spurs, just, Spurs <laughs> just being Spurs. I mean, do, do we really need to say anything about that match? Uh, I tell you what I did like. I did like the first um, Monaco goal because when the guy struck it, he sort of spun it away from Lloris in goal. He took that quite well. When you, if you see the camera angle behind the goal, it's very good. Um, the second's pretty good as well. Yeah, the second was, one was great under the roof of the net. Yes. Boom. Have that one. Well, the, the thing what like again, I, I only saw the goal, so I just sort of short, uh, saw very short clips. And uh, the clip started and Tottenham were on the ball. And I was just like, okay, how is this a Monaco goal? And then they just gave it away in the middle of the park, like yes. really sloppily. And Monaco just ran forward and scored. And I was like, oh, no, that's typical of them. Yeah, I, rem- I, I had the exact same thought when they said, oh, there's a goal at Wembley and you saw Spurs on the ball. And you think, oh, well, they've scored. Uh, then- so how's this working now? <laughs> yeah. Um, because it has to be said, they were mightily impressive against Stoke, weren't they, at the weekend? And I was really surprised at this one, because they were they looked awesome at the weekend. Maybe it's the Wembley factor. I mean, Harry Kane must be absolutely knackered as a human being because he just doesn't stop playing just football stop. in the summer. And then all of a sudden, he's got to go on the big Spurs, the big Wembley pitch, and do it. It's I don't know. I I think you're better off with what you. I know why they're at. Um, I know why they're at Wembley, but. Oh, really? Do they have to be? Yeah, well, I suppose they, they, they looked at it maybe in, in gate receipts. And, you know, it's the, it's the second foray into the Champions League for them, a few years apart between them. And, you know, they, they, they're coming off the back of a bloody good season that they had last season. And with with the construction and so on going on in, uh, at their own ground, you know, that, that extra capacity, you can charge extra money. It's London. You're going, you can charge that, that extra money if you can bring people into Champions League games. I understand maybe the thinking of it. 
Uh, I didn't actually see the capacity. Did anybody see the capacity? Or how many, how many people attended? Eighty-five thousand, I think, was it, right? Wow! So there yeah, you go. I think so. Yeah, but there you, you go. Remember, paid off. Arsenal suffered with this, didn't they? When they were at um, Wembley, it was like ninety-nine. They were at Wembley. I remember them losing to Fiorentina there with Battistuta getting a couple of goals. Something happens when an English team plays at Wembley in the Champions League. They they lose whatever jeu de vivre they have and. It's not as an intimidating a place for the foreign team to come, is it? White Hart Lane would have been a much better prospect for them. They, I mean, they beat Monaco there 4-1 last season, didn't they? In the, was it the Europa League? Must have been. Yeah, yeah. I think it would have been, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Harry Kane missed a couple of chances as well. Spurs have lost their last four games at Wembley, or haven't won their last four games. They've lost two FA Cup semi-finals and a League Cup final. Plus, last night. It's cursed, Wow. Isn't it? Yeah. You, you thought you'd think, right? We've lost this one stadium the last four times we've been here. Let's sign a deal to, to play there in the Champions League. Yeah, exactly. Um, also in that group, Bayer Leverkusen went two 0 up against CSKA, uh, and then well, that was two 0 up after fifteen minutes, and then Jagadev and Eremenko scored to equalise. Um, group C last night was Club Bruges nil, Leicester City three. Marcus Allbrighton with one, uh, Rio Mario scored two. Um, was Reid Morris's free kick the best free kick of the week, or was it Neymar or Ronaldo? I really liked his free kick, actually. Did you? You're going for that one? Yeah. Dave, I thought that was quite special. You're going for Ronaldo, are you? Oh, yeah. Go for Ronaldo. I Even thought the... that was... I loved that free kick. <laughs> yeah, the keeper touched <laughs> loved it, that free... Ah, it was so well placed. All he could do was touch it. Yeah, it doesn't take away from the aesthetics of it. No, absolutely not. It was absolutely pinpoint. Yeah. I, I think it's cre- it's credit to the goalkeeper that he got anywhere near it. I think that that's more than anything else. But you know, you're you're a goal down. You need you, you know you're losing the game. You're at home. You're you're, you're Champions League uh, champions. You need a man to step up. And as much as I dislike the man, he is a hell of a player. Yeah, he's not bad. We were linked with him as well, weren't we? Before Manchester United got their grubby mitts on him. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, but sure. How many, how many of those have we been linked to over the years? And, and the... <laughs> I, I watched, uh, uh, William at Chelsea and just think what could have been. And it just every time I watch him here as well for the national team, I was just like, he was the one that got away from me. We could have had another team. Imagine Cristiano Ronaldo crossing to Clint Dempsey. Yeah, exactly. And, and Christian Eriksen as well. We lost out on him as well. It's another player that I admire greatly. It's just, it's just one. And then Marlos Moreno, the most recent one. Oh. And it, that one will come back and haunt me forever. Like, I can guarantee you that kid is going to be special. Yeah. Jamie Carragher did say that he wished Liverpool were as good as buying players as it were selling them. Well, to be honest, <laughs> if they've done a little better this season, I think uh, Klopp's first selling spree has, like, let's face it, recouping any kind of money, never mind making near enough your money back on Christian Benteke, that was, that was an awesome piece of business. The business that they did on Jordan Ibe as well, I think was a very, very good piece of business. Uh, Liverpool have, uh, finally seem to have got their act together in selling and not overpaying the odds in, in what they bring in now. Uh, hopefully that's that's a sign of things to come. You never know. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah, Leicester City nil, uh, three, Club Bruges nil. Uh, it was the third best debut win in Champions League history. Um, second behind four nil wins for Milan and Atletico Madrid. Um, Club Bruges missed a chance early on, didn't they? If they'd gone one up, that could have been a bit different. Anybody see that? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I didn't see the chance, but it definitely could have changed the game. I mean, the way that Leicester have been the start of this season, it, to me, it seems like their heads have dropped very quickly when something's gone wrong. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, an early goal, you sort of think, oh, God, here we go again type thing. 
Um, I mean, I think Ranieri has already sort of alluded to the fact that Mares wasn't fully in it, and he said that the Champions League music woke him up. I think he, I think the quote was. So yeah, I think he maybe said the, the dilly 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 didn't work on him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think they've needed this win to start their season off. Yeah, uh, Robert Huth went close to the header, and Danny Drinkwater. Danny Drinkwater's volley. Anybody see that one? Tumbleweed. It was a very good one. If you <laughs> get a chance to see it. Um, no, I, I, so I saw the goals, and, I, and can, like Chris, seriously, coming off the pasting, and that's what well, that's really what they took at Anfield. You know, they, they could have conceded a lot more than four at the weekend. There, I think this was a magnificent result for them, and it just shows you. For me, Ranieri and this team are, are finally sort of getting back, getting their heads maybe lifted out of, out of the, the haze that's been winning the league and it's dreamland for them. And the arrival in the Champions League, I'm so happy to see them getting the win, especially away from home as well, because there's a lot of people who were like, oh, wait till they get to the Champions League. Well, you know, we'll sort them in from the boys. Leicester, Leicester have won away and won handsomely and fair play to them. Definitely. Definitely. Um, Porto drew one one with uh, oh god, Copenhagen. Can we just say Copenhagen? Yeah, same place. <laughs> same place. That'll do for me. They drew one one with them. Uh, also, the Champions League on Tuesday, uh, Benfica drew one one with Besiktas. Servi scored for Benfica, uh, and this is a free kick as well. Uh, Taliska scored for Besiktas um, in the ninety third minute. Anybody know why that is quite a strange or significant goal? Tell us. Taliska who scored for Besiktas, is actually a Benfica player. He's on loan. Oh, I didn't know that one. Yeah, it did a really? Morientes. Oh, normally, normally the teams put in the clauses to stop them playing against their own teams and cup-tie them sort of thing. That, that is interesting. Well, I assume that's not a case in the Champions League then, because obviously that's definitely the case in the Premier League. Thibaut Courtois played against Chelsea, thing. didn't he? Yeah, he did. Of course, that's bother. And, yeah, and remember Fernando Morientes scored against Real Madrid for Monaco back in 2004. Yeah, it must be. It must be sort of UEFA probably don't allow that rule to be in place potentially. What would you do? Would you would you try really, really hard to try and prove that it was a mistake to let you go out on loan, or would you think my futures at this club? I better take it a bit easy. That's that's the interesting sort of thought, really, isn't it? Is it? Would you, especially if you end up knocking your parent club out or something of, of a competition? Because then you go back and you think, sorry about that last year. I've got to be uh, honest, I'd probably want to kick the shite out of everybody on the on the other team for letting me go out on loan. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I would, the, I would the, agree with that. With, with I, Courtois, I think... the, the point you made with Courtois, because he was uh, left to go for two seasons, and he yep. obviously they beat Chelsea in the um, Super Cup. So he must have just come back thinking, you've not won that much silverware, probably like a League Cup in that time. Uh, that's... Just a bizarre situation, really. I can't imagine what what I'd do. I guess no, no. You'd you'd have to, you know. At the end of the day, you're a professional player. Your your club has seen fit to, to lend you out because obviously you're 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 not going to get game time at that particular club. You have to play where you're put, and you have to play, you know, in in the in the basic terms of professionalism. In my opinion, you have to give your all for the team that you're turning out for. You know, at the end of the day, uh, even on loan. Uh, the, the team that you're with will, will pay your wages, so you've got to give your, your all for them. Definitely. Um, elsewhere in the Champions League, uh, Dinamo Kiev, who will be hosting the Champions League final in two years' time, they lost one, uh, 2 1 to Napoli despite taking the lead. Uh, Bayern 5, Rostov nil over in Group D. Uh, also PSV nil, Atletico 1, Saul Niguez score for them. Um, 
we spoke about Real Madrid beating Sporting 2-1. Liège Warsaw nil, Dortmund 6, though Liège Warsaw by oh. the of it won off the pitch, I think. Did anybody see the pyrotechnics <laughs> and ultras? Oh, I didn't see that, no. <laughs> yeah, I saw a bit of that. It had a very sort of South American feel to it, uh, to be honest with you, Chris. But to be honest with you, the Dortmund side and those goals had a bit of a South American feel to it of years gone by as well. Lovely team to watch, Dortmund. Really lovely team to watch. Fantastic, uh, that 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 sixth goal was just just beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then Group H: Juve nil, Seville nil, Gonzalo Higuain hit the bar in that one. Um, and then Leon three, Dinamo Zagreb nil. Wraps up the Champions League. Um, felt a bit sorry for Higuain actually. They started him, and then Pjanic for some reason they kept on the bench, which was a little bit peculiar. Yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't play him. I don't know. Maybe they thought we could rest him because we're at home or something, but, you know. I was totally disappointed by this one. This, to me, was the one that I really wanted to see this week. And it was just, it just didn't live up to, to billing. Uh, although I'm saying that, you know, I've been, I've been watching Sevilla this season. Uh, I watched them at the weekend against Las Palmas as well. And you, you, I, I just, they started slower than what I thought they would have. Um, and I really thought we'd have got a cracking game in this one, and it, it just didn't materialise. You know, I was very disappointed with this one as well. This is the one I was, I was going to watch this if I wasn't playing football in real life myself, but this is the one I was hoping to have watched. But yeah, I know what you mean. Um, right, should we talk about some Premier League fixtures coming up this weekend? Friday night, we've got a game on Friday night again. Um, the David... Really? Who's playing? <laughs> <laughs> it's the David Speedy Derby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chelsea versus Liverpool. Right. Let's get him, Dave. Uh, now it all makes gonna... sense. <laughs> it's complete... Do you know what? I oh, didn't re- realise as I was dialing you up, you're actually outnumbered tonight. Yeah, this is not a good idea. <laughs> uh, right. So this was the site of Klopp's first away win last season. It was a 3-1 victory for the uh, five-time European Cup winners, Ryan. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Are we going to see a similar scoreline tomorrow night or not? No, I don't think we're going to. Um, well, it be, well, be interesting because David Luiz is playing. Against Sardar Mane. Br- breaking news on Sky Sports earlier was that David Luiz will play. And I was like, yeah, they signed him. It's not really surprising. <laughs> um, it'll be interesting. It'll be a really interesting game. I think the addition of Kante in the squad has already been great enough. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how he impacts proceedings because I think he'll be a bigger impact than sort of Mane might be, um, just based on sort of what Kante can do. But so we, I think it'll be a really interesting game. Dave, you looking forward to um, Sardar Mane versus David Luiz and Gary Cahill? Oh yes, indeed I am. I think, to be honest with you, Chris, I think we're okay for this one, and I'm the most negative Liverpool supporter you'll ever come across. Are we okay against Hull after this? Probably not. But this, <laughs> but but this one, I do fancy us sneaking at least a point out of it, and maybe three if if we play the right formation. I don't think I think Sturridge is going to stand out of this one. I really do. I think he'll step aside to let Coutinho back in again, uh, especially being away from home. Uh, I think you'll see Firmino playing the false nine. Saw Firmino's uh, movement there at the weekend against Leicester was absolutely outstanding. Uh, he's finally looking like the player. That uh, we we know he all is, or we know we all know he is. Um, you know, Manny is grease lightning. He is one fast kid. Like uh, 
all kinds of problems. The fact that John Terry's not there to organise for, for Chelsea, which I think, given his age, I know that, that a lot of people give pelters to John Terry, but the one thing he does do is organise that, that back line for, for Chelsea. It'd be interesting to see how Conte lines them up. Uh, apparently, from what I'm led to believe from, from another podcast that, that, I, that I actually edited this week, that David Lewis is nailed on to start. So, w- wonderful player coming forward with the ball. Not so good whenever he's trying to defend it. Uh, I just, I think there's a, a minimum of a point in this one for us, Chris. I really do. Yeah. Well, um, Antonio Conte has not lost at home since January 2013. Yeah, I, but I, we, I, do I, stupid, we, do, we do stupid things. We're the team that does stupid things. We're not the team that does consistent things or consistently good things, but we'll ruin people's parties. That's that's the type of team we've become in the last lot of years. You know, if you, you set yourself up, Liverpool will knock you down. We'll not win anything in, doing, in the process, but we'll dent your reputation. We're definitely a team that does stupid but things. I think... You're, you're missing one key factor here, and that's the Diego Costa factor, and how many people are going to throw their handbags out at each other during the game. Because it's always a bit of a, a nitty-gritty game anyway, isn't it? I mean, Liverpool-Chelsea is always a bit of a oh, yeah. hotly contested game. You know, and Costa's already wound up this season. You know, right, he's already right, having little, what, little words with people. I, I, w- I would love to put this question to you, if you don't mind. Sorry, Chris, I'd I just love to know. You know, we often say in Liverpool, you know, if Costa played for us, we'd love him. You know, we love to hate him. Uh, it, it is the way it is. I don't know. Do yeah, that's what I mean. Is, is, do, the chance, do the Chelsea fan base love this guy? Um, it's difficult. He's a fantastic striker. If he played... But I think the whole part of him being a fantastic striker is like his aggressive side. Now, I don't agree with what he does. To be honest, as a Chelsea fan, I'm used to controversy every season in some capacity anyway. And he's a big proprietor of that now. You know, he, every sort of, everything that he does is under a microscope. And even if he sort of walks past a player and has a little bit of a word, you know, that's, oh, you know, he's trying to wind someone up. And I'm not sort of condoning any of his actions, but I think he does get a little bit of a bad rap sometimes. I think he gets blamed a lot when, I, I'm, I don't know whether managers will be giving this instruction out, but certainly someone in the back room will sort of say, oh, Costa, you know, he's a bit of a, a hothead. Just, just sort of have a tuck at his shirt every so often, have a little word in his ear, and we'll, we might manage to get him sent off. But the counter to that is he, he always gets other people sent off. But do you not think that that's the type of player that maybe Conte likes, that Conte likes that sort of combativeness that, that Diego Costa brings to the party? Yeah, I'm sure he loves the aggressive side. I think he just obviously wants him to stay out of trouble so he plays the majority of the season. The reason Chelsea had to buy Batshuayi was because the chances of Costa being suspended for quite a number of games in the season is quite high. It could happen on Friday. He could try and stamp on someone's leg again. Do you know what? I mean, football itself, it's an entertainment business, isn't it? And... You can't really be, and it's a, it's a business where you want to see um, interesting things happen. I have got no problem with anything that Diego Costa does. I've got no problem with diving. I've got no problem with uh, David Luiz lying on the ground and pretending to be injured. All those sorts of things. Because, Best time ever. Exactly because all it is, this is it's entertainment on your TV on a Saturday night, isn't it? I don't understand people that get wound up by Diego Costa. Well, it, it, it you're right. It is an entertainment thing, and he guarantees it. Because not only will you have the immediate reaction and the love and hate reaction and sort of feeling that everyone has, but then you have the aftermath, which is the 
will he get banned and match the day will cover it from every different angle and talk about the type of player he is and, and it's all like clockwork exactly so it's not even like the entertainment just for that half an hour or the hour it's entertainment for a couple of days really Liverpool scored the most goals in 2016 there Dave we saw 50 I know, but I'm not even leaked. You know, like, I, I don't believe in those stats. You know, everybody talks about, oh, Sturridge, Sturridge is such a great player, such a great, you look at his stats, you know, he's the best striker we've ever had. Yeah, but they don't take into account his injury stats. Uh, you know, I, I, I prefer to, to trust my eyes more than I, than I trust these stats sort of thing. And, oh, uh, Liverpool, don't get me wrong, when we're playing well, when we're a good unit going forward, we're irresistible. But sadly, and, and it is, an Achilles heel of Klopp that he's brought from the Bundesliga as well, because the same thing existed there, though there wasn't, he'll not encounter it in the Bundesliga as many times in a season as he will in the Premier League, is the teams who want to park the bus against us. And while this is why I feel that we're in with a chance, it was the same with Leicester. Uh, you know, when we go back and play Hull in the next game, we're back to that Burnley situation again, where they're going to be very, very difficult to break down. Uh, you know, Manny's running at a static defence. It, it changes things. And, and I think for me, you know, I've been very negative towards the start of the season. I'm very negative towards what we did the, or what we didn't do in the transfer window. Uh, I think it's actually criminal. And I think it's a naivety from Klopp, uh, in the Premier League. Uh, to, to think that he could get by with James Milner, Milner at left back and poor old Lucas being thrown out at centre back last time while, you know, Sacco's there. And there's, there's politics involved here. It'll all come out probably in the next couple of years. But at the moment with, with Liverpool, I'm, I'm not getting myself too carried away. As I say, traditionally we do well against the bigger teams because they come to play football against us. But, uh, and that's why I feel, you know, we, we stand a chance against Chelsea, but the, the real test of our season is going to be against, uh, you know, the lesser teams, the, the, not, not the elite clubs. And that's where, I, that's where my worry for the season comes from. I don't know whether it's been fused or not now. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Hull versus Arsenal. Uh, Hull lost six versus seven against Arsenal in the uh, Premier League. Um, I can't see anything other than... Well, I don't know. I say I can't see anything other than Arsenal win. Hull are quite a little surprise here, aren't they? Um, maybe... Can anybody see doing a, well. Yeah, can anybody see a sneaky draw? Oh, yeah. They're Definitely at home. Hull are at home. Draw, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and Arsenal are traditionally slow starters. You know, it's the last sort of four or five seasons. They've, they've stuttered and spluttered their way to get themselves into gear. Once they get moving, they're fine. But it seems to be a, and, and maybe it is, you know, in the last few seasons, there has been so many international tournaments and, you, you know, their, their players are constantly away and constantly playing football and they're not having a proper break. And maybe that is, is a factor within all of that for Arsenal. But you always feel that they have a very stuttering start. That's why I wouldn't bet against the draw in this one. I th- no, I think you might be right on this one. Hull have had a, a Hull have had a good start, haven't they? Um, Santi Corzola's last seven goals have been penalties, um, which is a record he shares with Danny Murphy, Jan Mulby, and Mikel Arteta. For years, Danny Murphy was our best penalty taker, wasn't he? I used to get really nervous any time anybody other than Danny Murphy took a penalty for us. I just had, you mentioned Danny Murphy. It's just his games against United. This one. <laughs> that, that to me will always be Danny Murphy. And that, there's another one that can't be a pundit either. Oh, he's horrible. He's such a miserable man, isn't he? <laughs> Terrible. Some of his analysis is from the from the planet Mars, I think. It just seems so. It just seems so miserable and negative all the while. We don't like Chris Sutton either on this podcast. No, Chris Sutton can get lost. 
Robbie Savage. Robbie Savage is my pen, pen here. Robbie Savage. Robbie Savage. I don't. I. I think Robbie Savage is in character the whole time because I. I don't believe Robbie Savage. I don't believe Robbie Savage bleeds of a word that he says. If you listen to him when he's on 606, all he does is wind up the other callers. I don't think he's, I don't think he believes a word of what he says himself. He's just saying it to wind That's other people action. up. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at Robbie Savage like that, he's a whole lot different. Yeah. I mean, you said about Chris Sutton and I, I think he was on match of the day too on Sunday. Um, and he was just everything that he was saying. I was just like, oh, shut up. He just is, get on with it. He's such a grump, isn't he? Yeah. He loves Chelsea though, so you know, benefit. He only scored one goal for you. I don't yeah, no, I don't know why I don't know why he loves us. I I, I don't like him when he played. I don't like him now. <laughs> Ryan, out of curiosity, as a Liverpool supporter, can I ask you one question? Would you prefer Liverpool with Daniel Sturridge this weekend or without? To be honest, the whole Daniel Sturridge thing, I'm not really fussed about him anymore. You, 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 I'm more focused on whether Lukaku plays <laughs> with Everton. Really, that's the uh, <laughs> Daniel Sturridge is. You know, it's good. it seems like so long ago, and it has been since he was at Chelsea. And to be honest, he's had some very good times with you, but he's also had some very, very bad spells. You know, injuries aside, you know, so he's also a confidence player, I, I think. And if he's not playing. And then especially if he comes out and says, I don't like playing on the right, despite him needing game time, I'm not really too worried. I would actually disagree with you because, you know, he he tends to come back straight after injuries and put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, it's one of, it's one of the, the, the upsides of Sturridge, you know, okay, we have these massive injuries and long periods of injuries. But when he does come back, he generally puts the ball in the net. Uh, I think on this occasion, I don't think, my personal opinion is, that I don't think he'll make this game. I think I think I'll go with Coutinho. Coutinho was absolutely magnificent uh, for in, in his two cameos for Brazil here in the international break, and because of the, the second one was at altitude as well, he had hours and hours and hours on flights, and that, I think that was the reason why uh, Sturridge actually started against um, against Leicester. Had had Coutinho been fit, I would dare say he he would have started in front. So I expect to see Coutinho in for Sturridge this time. Hmm. I feel a lot happier with Coutinho. Whenever I see Coutinho playing for us, it makes me feel a whole lot happier. And he does up it against the, the elite sides as well, Chris. Mm. I think that that's a, that's a side of him that, that is invaluable. Yeah, well, he he was a big star in, in your win against Chelsea last time. No, he was a every Absolutely time he got the ball, Chelsea just was scared of him, and that's why he's he. I think did he score two or was it just the one in that game? But he two. scored a. Yeah, because he scored like two sort of long ranges efforts, because Chelsea were just scared to go near him. So he just had so much time. Uh, I, I mean, if I'm if I'm Klopp, I'd definitely pick Coutinho over Sturridge. And also, you know, the game against Arsenal opening day, he bagged two as well. He seems the bigger the opposition, Coutinho seems to to, to raise to the occasion, and I, I think I think you'll see him starting. I think so as well. I really, I yeah, I hope so. He's just one of those players that whenever he's in the team, you know that you, you sort of feel a bit more comfy knowing that you're going to be okay. I think if you see a bit like a, a bit sort of the opposite when I see Lucas in the team. <laughs> oh no! Don't be, don't be giving Lucas too much. Lucas uh, has been a fine servant to Liverpool. He's his ability range has gone down. It's not his fault. 
you have to question who picks him and, and not his ability. I, do you know what? I do, I do feel a little bit bad saying that about him because he's been there an awful long time. I mean, he's seen off Javier Mascarano, so he can't be that bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, Lucas is your version of, of our John Obi Mikel. No one really, <laughs> really wants him around, but he's just there. And then every so often he'll get a spell in the team and he'll play all right. He won't do anything, mate. He'll play all right. And then, and then he goes away forever again. Well, Lucas doesn't play number 10 for his national team. That's the only but. difference. <laughs> he doesn't play for his national team after he was sent off. And what was the thing? It was 2010 or 2000. No, it was 2010 in the uh, the Copa America. He got he got a red card in the quarterfinals. He never put a, put the yellow shirt back on again after that. Oh really? That's it. Persona non grata, is he? Uh huh. That's it. Gone. It was it was uh, Scolari at that time. Didn't want to know him again after that. Oh really? Ah, Scolari. Are you miss him? Do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Leicester versus Burnley. Um. This was a weird one last time. Do you remember two years ago when Burnley in the Premier League? Leicester beat Manchester United 5-3, didn't they? And then the following week, they scraped a 2-2 draw with Burnley. And then Leicester went on that really, really, really terrible run before going on that fantastic run. This is where it all started going wrong for Leicester was in this fixture. Burnley just seemed to be the bogey team. <laughs> but yeah, they very much are bogey team. Yeah. In fact, Jamie Vardy scored 7 out of 8 in the Premier League. I mean, this is... You kind of think he's not done... He's been on a bit of a sort of downer, but he's he scored a few, hasn't he? I mean, he got gifted that one by Lucas yeah. last week. Took a word out of my mouth there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you were saying about Lucas, yeah. <laughs> but bar that one mistake, Chris, knock him for anything more than that one mistake. That mistake aside, Lucas put in what you expect from him. He gave 100%. He understands the club he's at. He loves the club he's at. And he wouldn't let us down. And, okay, his ability has, has waned a lot. But again, you have to ask the question why he was there and who picked him. And that's that's what I keep going back to. Your mate Dave Hendrick doesn't like him. Oh, he hates him okay. with a passion. <laughs> but then Dave, Dave, is, Dave hates quite a lot of things. So we're, we're used to that. <laughs> yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a ranty tweeter, isn't he? He's an abrasive character, but that's only when you press record. Believe you me, Dave Hendrick is a pussy cat. <laughs> pussy cat to talk to in real life, but when you talk to him about football, it, it just it, it raises his fires. Let's say. <laughs> right, so he's going to win the Callum Davidson Derby then. Is it Leicester or Burnley? Leicester for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Manchester City, Bournemouth. Um, in the two fixtures last season, Man City won nine one on aggregate. Anybody see anything different? Yeah, the score getting bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Wilshere, with the way Jack Wilshere. No, with the way Man City have been playing, it's, a, to me, a foregone conclusion at this point. Really? That game, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah? It's just no a, amount of question, the, wheelchair Jack Wilshere is going to help. It's a question of how many, and, and that's sadly it. And, you know, even look at their bench. They're, like, they're not even starting Leroy Sani. They haven't started Godogan. My God, they, they're a scary prospect. They're, they're, I'm dreading I'm dreading our game with them. When they get a decent defence, they're going to be beasts, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be Barcelona Mark II, and just with with the resources that, that Pep has at his, at his disposal, I can't see it taking any more than two more windows for him to be in that position. Do you reckon you see Messi there at some point? No, I, I hope can't not. See, I can't. I can't see Messi ever leaving Barcelona. No, I would agree, Ryan. Is that because I don't was... think anybody could afford it unless unless it was the case of. He went off the edge of a cliff and his form just disappeared. But Newell, old boys are waiting on him. He's, he's promised he's going to go back there and finish his time there. So if he did come to the Premier League, I don't think it would be any more than a year you would get out of him. Uh, but 
but you know, he's, he's not what you would call the, the, the icon at Barca in return of marketing and so on, but he's the iconic player and he's the, the consummate pro. If you take his tax business <laughs> out of it, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm talking in, in sheerly football terms. Uh, you know, Messi is Barcelona and has been for, for, for so long. And as I say, the, the club that he used to play for, his boyhood club down here, are waiting for him. He's promised that he'll come back to them and, and they are etern- in the eternal wait for his return. So I think Premier League, I don't think the Premier League would, would interest Messi. He's made his money. Uh, he, he's made more money he could ever spend, uh, probably his children could ever spend in their lifetimes. He doesn't need it. Is he still the, the best thing... player in the team when Mascarano plays? <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. That's the right answer. <laughs> He's at Mascarano. Well, you know, in, in that position, uh, and any kind of, you know, defensive midfielder that Mascarano used to be, he was a beast. He was the best in the business at, at that time, especially at Liverpool. He was a joy to watch. Then he went to Barca. He's continued to be stepped back into the back four. That's how good the guy is. He's a beast. Is he the most underrated player, do you think, in world football? No. Yeah. No. Yeah, he could be. Look, remember when West Ham wouldn't even play him when we rescued him? And, yeah. look, and when we went, oh, holy God, look what we've got here. And we paid 16 million at that time for him, which seemed a big fee. But I'll tell you what, I would pay 10 times that to have that caliber of a player. Well, we've seen 10 times near enough being paid for Paul Pogba. Not an inferior player when you consider Mascarana. Yeah, you said no, didn't you, Ryan? Yes. Who's, who's more underrated then? John Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Depends what category it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Categorise that, please. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, purely from a Chelsea perspective, anyway, I think one of the most underrated players that I can think of is probably Asper Equator. Or surely the most underrated player we don't know about. Well, yeah, because he'd, he'd be underrated. <laughs> <laughs> just just a quick word on Messi. I, th- I, think he, I think he's probably thought about coming to the Premier League, but I mean, obviously, this is just my wild assumption from a guy on the internet, but I think Messi would probably be a little bit scared coming to the Premier League. Well, if he's Johnny Evans or something. I think it's because, now, obviously, Ronaldo did the way where he proved himself in Portugal, he proved himself in the Premier League, and then he moved on to Spain. You know, the Premier League is a very different league to the Spanish League. And whenever I see Messi play against an English team... He doesn't seem the same type of player. That's probably because he's getting kicked all the time. But that, that's the problem. You remember the Champions League against Arsenal last season? Yeah. Hat trick, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, most. That's Arsenal. <laughs> I think it'd be very similar to the way that Hazard, you know, you try and make something happen, but by the end of the day, I mean, if you're running into someone like Robert Hooth, he's going to just push you over and not care. Lionel Messi versus Robert Hooth. He probably could run between his legs or something, couldn't he? (laughs) That's a match of power on City. (laughs) Chris, you make a point there that that actually translates to to the national team, for uh, the Argentinian national team for him, because he doesn't look like Messi in that team either. Uh, And never really has. Like, you know, I can go back... Go back two World Cups, three World Cups. He never really has looked like the player at Barcelona. And I think it's because Barcelona have everything revolving around him. Maybe less so these days with Neymar and Suarez and, and Busquets as well. You know what I mean? But if you get the ball to Messi, you've got so much space and time for him because all these wonderful players with wonderful technical ability, wonderful brains like Suarez pulling defenders all over the place. Neymar, the other side, pulling players all over the place. And then when when you see him in Argentina and that, that same type of intelligent player isn't at his side, he does struggle a bit. And you could have a point there in the Premier League as well that it's that, that little bit more physicality, that little bit more speed, breakneck speed, um, you know, closes down his opportunities a, a lot faster and so on. 
And I think, you know, when, when it comes down to it, it's a career at the end of the day these days. And as I say, Messi, Messi's making enough money with endorsements and, and salary. His, his grandchildren would never be able to spend it, never mind him. So why would he, why would he want to do that whenever he can go down as being the one-man club, uh, a bit like Jared, go and finish off at, at his boyhood club? Um, and, and I think that's a perfect way that, that Messi will end his career. And I hope that's the way it is because he is... An icon at Barcelona, and as I say, those fans down down in Argentina, they can't wait to have him back again. And when you understand the relationship of football down here, and, and like their pure heart, it's heart and soul down here, uh, the love of football. The thought of him coming back to Argentina again is just it, it's it's it, it's it'll be a national holiday the day he comes back. That that's how big it is. Well, if you think someone like um, uh, like Tevez made his name at Boca, has gone away and come back, and now he's back at Boca, but. If you think about someone like him compared to Messi, who left Argentina at 13, has not really been back. Is he as loved as some of the others? This is this is the thing that they say that Tevez is loved more than Messi, but I think it depends. Um, you, Tevez is Tevez. He's been a bit, to be honest with you, excuse me, he's been a bit of a bitch down in. The, <laughs> he, he's been a bit divish. Uh, since he since he went back to Boca, and there was a stage where he was going to refuse to play and so on. He was complaining about the quality of the player around him and so on. But you know what, Carlos? It's South America. It's not the Champions League. Uh, yeah, you're going to get kicked a hell of a lot more. Uh, your names, your name alone dictates dictates that you're going to be kicked an awful lot more. You've come from this league to begin with, so I don't understand what your complaints are now. Uh, and 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 also, I think that has sort of maybe tarnished the uh, the Tevez brand down in Argentina just a little bit. But you know, Messi doesn't have an awful lot. Even even the tax evasion thing, whole of Argentina was behind him. You know, they, everybody supported Messi. You know, minor crimes like that, tax evasion. That's that's normal business. The business as usual in South America. Why would you possibly make a deal over that? Okay. So I think Messi. You know, but honestly, seriously, that that is culture. Um, you know, who would ever look at a thing like that? Tax evasion. <laughs> Uh, you know, Messi, Messi is God and, and his return to this country will, or to, to, to that country will be, will be a massive thing. Okay. Um, it's the, the West fixture. It's West Brom versus West Ham. Um, Solomon Rondon has scored three and four. Uh, West Ham United has scored, well, he's not scored three and four. He's scored three out of West Ham's, West Brom's last four goals. Um, the last 10 meetings have been seven draws and three West Ham wins. And West Ham have scored in their last 17 matches. Uh, West Brom fans are fed up with Tony Pulis. Surely everybody else is. Every single fa- every single person in football is fed up of Tony Pulis. You reckon Tony Pulis is fed up of Tony Pulis? Probably. He probably just looks himself in the mirror and he's just like, for God's sake. You again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Look, West- he, probably, he, he probably wins about a million quid in bonuses for survival. Tony Poulos is probably not tired of Tony Poulos. No, that's true. Well, you you know about the Claudio Ranieri bonus last season, don't you? He, I don't educate me. <laughs> he was on a, a bonus of £100,000 for every position above 18th he finished. <laughs> so he did all right. That's nice business. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a nice business. Do you think um, when Tony Poulos negotiates with the club, they're like, right, we're going to, you know, if you get 10th, We'll give you this much money, and he's like, "A counter offer. If we get seventeenth, you just give me this much money." He could. And do, that's probably he? how he does his business. Maybe there is. part of. Account. Yeah, it's part of part of the reason why I admire Ranieri so much. That, don't forget, they went into the last season one of the favourites to be relegated. Ranieri didn't accept that. He went for it, and that's 
you know, and that's the difference between a Claudio Ranieri and a Tony Poulos. Tony Poulos will do the barest of minimums without any adventure, without any ambition. He'll survive. And can you imagine being a fan of one of those clubs? Like when they were at Stoke and whatnot, it was it was rugby basically back then. It was it was horrible brand of football. And you feel sorry for the fans. Yes, okay, they're staying in the Premier League, but you, you know you've st- you've survived in the Premier League two or three seasons. You want to see your team kick on. You want to see progress. And with P- Tony Pulis, you always feel that you're just always going to end up treading that water. You know, you'll survive the relegation battle. That's your your trophy for the season, if you will. And I just think it, it, it's horrible for for fans to have to suffer that. No, I think you're right. It must be horrible. I mean, speaking of horrible, though, West Ham have lost five out of six. They're on a bit of a run as well, aren't they? Is Slavin Bilic going to get a bullet? I don't think they can. Who else would replace him? Seriously, that you know the new stadium, and regardless of those results, Bilic is a good coach. He's the coach that they wanted all along. They mm. got what they wanted. I think, you know, it's, it's the old cliche in modern football. You've got to give these guys time. You've got to give these guys time. And what Bilic did last season should be enough to buy him grace for the whole of this season. I know that the Europe thing went a bit pear shaped for them and so on at the start of the season, but if, if they if they were to sack Bilic now, I think that would be complete lunacy. Uh, yes, but you never know. <laughs> this is football. Strange things do happen, don't they? Yeah. Well, <laughs> weekly. <laughs> it's why we watch. It keeps us compelled. Well, exactly. Um, Everton versus Middlesbrough. Uh, Gareth Barry's going to make his 600th Premier League appearance. Who were the only two to have more? Gerard? Nope. What? Nope. Uh, 600 appearances. You said it was 600. 600 Premier League appearances. Not Stevie Me. Not Stevie Me? No. Lampard? Yes, there's one. Come on, the other one's What's blatantly it? obvious. Is the other one Terry? No. He's a no. Shag- he's, he's a shagger though. Yeah. <laughs> is it Skulls or Gigs? Gigs, there you go. Skulls is a shagger, yeah. is he? <laughs> I can't imagine. Who, know, who knows with Skulls? It's a bit of a mystery really. <laughs> Uh, and do you know what? He's a lot better for it. Sometimes we're better not knowing, especially with the Ryan Giggs and John Terry's in this world. Sometimes we're better just not knowing. Hey, one of my best days on Twitter was when I got a retweet from Natasha Giggs. <laughs> she the tweeted claims, a, <laughs> Yeah, it's bizarre claim to claim. Claim the fame. She, t- she tweeted a picture of her student days with a charlatan's picture on the back. And I said, well, kudos for that. And she retweeted my comment. And Tim Burgess replied saying, yeah, I agree with him. I was bloody oh my made God. I, I was made up for days afterwards. Uh, my, my only claim to fame is Rodney Marsh would converse with me the odd time and I'm, I feel privileged for that one big time. <laughs> Ryan, celebrity Twitter friends? Um, Not really. No? Oh, come on. Uh, you must be I feel like somebody. I have had one. Yeah, but, I've gone here. I can't really remember it. It's clear it wasn't that good. That's the thing. I have a thing. I'm going to ask you in a minute. Okay. All right. Sunday, Watford versus Manchester United. Um, Watford won, didn't we, last week? That was a rather sumptuous goal by Troy Deeney. He's back scoring with Igalio as well, isn't he? That was a fantastic goal, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had a bit of a game last year as well, didn't he? He scored a penalty and got a 90th minute own goal as well, Troy. I do like Troy, do you? Yeah. I, do you know what? He couldn't do a bad job for him, could he? <laughs> well, the other day you saw that we run a, a podcast called Bodies in the Box in World Football Index, and two of the last three podcasts have been named around Troy Deeney, <laughs> and it's been a bit, it's been a bit of a sort of a joke, but Troy Deeney's starting to turn it on and, and leave us a little red-faced. 
Um, given, given United's result tonight, I, I'm going for a draw here or a Watford win. Yeah, going on. Is Matt Sari going to outmaneuver Mourinho, right? I think it's going to actually be a really tough game. Um, yeah, I mean, as Dave said, it's very, Man United, I mean, Mourinho's come out and said that they're low on confidence after tonight's result and you can sort of understand why their big money marquee signing hasn't exactly hit the ground running and you sort of think how that squad's going to sort of turn themselves around. They, they need to start firing on more cylinders. They've been just about all right so far this season, but this is a bit of a test now. Yeah, I think they were humbled at the weekend. Do you not feel they were they truly were humbled at home at the weekend? Uh, you know, Mourinho's sides don't lose at home uh, traditionally, but City tore them to pieces. City, City were half, another. So. I mean, it was only yeah. the first like, second half. I mean, I think City almost sort of took a took their foot off the pedal almost because um, of other things sort of coming up. But uh, Mourinho's got a tough ask there, and this is not going to be an easy game to come into after the the previous two results. Matt no, I'm well prepped. Mm. Matt Sorry versus Mourinho who'd win in an eye poking contest <laughs> Cause he, he, probably he, Mourinho well he, he looks no you know he's no spring chicken Matt Sorry but he um, he's not a man you'd want to cross is he oh no I think between scariest Premier League manager it's between him and Conte this season Conte he's a scary dude yeah when it, yeah. when when Swansea scored their second the look on his face was just like Death. I think so. You knew something was wrong. Well, speaking of scary managers, Palace versus Stoke. Mark Hughes, is he a scary manager? No, but he, he should be getting pretty scared at the moment of his future. Yeah, you're right. I so find clever Pard- Pardew's more scary in my opinion now. <laughs> Pardew is a scary man. In what way? Scar- scarily deluded some of the time and just, you know... Uh, was it was it our game against him last season when he was throwing the coat about the place and whatnot? He's theatre, but he's he's a scary man. He did some gesture to Klopp as well, didn't he? Yeah, and he he threw the coat on uh, into the crowd, and he oh he, he was furious, mm. absolutely furious. Um, he, he, but he can you know he there's an edge down Pardew, you know he'll speak his mind at times. Sometimes things maybe he shouldn't be saying, uh, and he he does it with a bit of venom. Now I don't mind that. I, I enjoy listening to things like that. But I, I would say Pardew's pretty scary as well. Who's going to be more scared for their position though, for their job? Because they're oh. both kind of in trouble, aren't they? Stoke have lost their last three. Palace have picked it up though. I think they obviously with. Now that they've actually got the full amount of signings they can do, I mean, Ben Decker's a massive signing for them. Absolutely. Um, I mean, your Palace are currently sitting in 11th after four games, which for them at the moment is not, not a terrible position. I mean, Stoke have just been all over the place. Mm. Considering that Tottenham didn't exactly start sort of that sort of quickly to, to come off for a result against Tottenham like that, it's just, it, he's probably fearing the worst. Yeah. Okay, uh, right, rattling through the last two. Southampton versus um, Swansea. Nathan Dyer is back fit after a couple of months out. Um, again, Swansea, I get the impression that they're not doing brilliantly. I, maybe it's just too early in the season to tell these things, but Swansea haven't got any wins so far. No, I mean, to, again, I don't, I don't want to sort of be the biased fan, but I think they were quite lucky to draw. Uh, against Chelsea at the oh, weekend. You're su- such a biased fan. I, know, I thought they were very lucky, unlucky not to win. <laughs> That's right. You say it, Dave. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. Yeah. I mean, Lorente sort of has been a bit 
sort of middle of the road from what I've seen, and Sigurdsson's still looking all right. They, that that result will give them a little bit of confidence, I think, which should help them kick on. I mean, Southampton are looking. They've not had a great start, but they've had a good result tonight, which should give them a bit of a boost. It's all about timing and momentum for me. I think Swansea coming off of that result against Chelsea and Southampton coming off a good win in the Europa League. So they might, it could be a European hangover situation as well. Though. So there's, there's a lot of different factors, but I think it could probably end up being a draw. I'd quite like both these teams because, to win because I quite like Francesco Guidolin. Um And Southampton are a team that you everyone sort of, kind of likes um, everyone likes Southampton yeah there's an admiration developing for Southampton amongst football fans in general just that you know we we funded it basically Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean Liverpool have funded that so we, they're sort of like my second team because we sort of built them <laughs> I think well actually that's a good point because I think that's why everyone does like Southampton is because every season Liverpool it's it, well it, it's you know Oh, they've lost their best player. They're not going to be able to cope. And, you know, or they've lost their manager. They're not going to be able to cope. Uh, every season, they somehow seem to defy the odds and, and come back stronger for it. So I think everyone just wants them to succeed because they, they keep sort of shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. Um, and lastly, Spurs Sunderland. Um, I know you kind of think Spurs because it's Sunderland and Sunderland are awful but Jermaine Defoe has scored in six successive away Premier League games and it's well, I'm uh, sure he'd Sunday like to Thursday score against game. Tottenham as well yeah oh, no, it's not Sunday Thursday is it it's Wednesday Sunday that's probably alright yeah it'll be interesting to see how Tottenham come off the back of that uh, defeat in the Champions League and what kind of a hangover there is there and I'm sure Sunderland will sort of be have that in mind going into the game that maybe they can get a point out of this one um, if if there is that hangover, because Tottenham aren't aren't a side that that traditionally are used to that level in the Champions League, and you know the fact that we're at Wembley there as well, it's, it's it was a big game for the big crowd. They had and they've lost. Uh, it can't be good for the confidence going in. The, the, Tottenham have, have flattered to deceive this season. We know that you know we know they're they're great. Victor Wanyama was a great signing, brilliant for the price. Um, you know, there's enough depth there at Spurs to cause anybody any problems as well. But, you know, when teams aren't used to that kind of intensity in Europe, sometimes they can suffer. And for that, it's the first game of the Champions League. And then coming back into this, I think Sunderland could get a point out of this one. I could be wrong. You make quite a convincing argument there, doesn't he, Ryan? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's sort of another reason Tottenham are in that position, I think, as you pointed out earlier, Chris, was the the whole Harry Kane thing. You know, he, he's so... He just... Half time, he just looks really tired. He's probably thinking, I don't want to play any more football anymore. All I do is play football. But, I'm going to break. But, <laughs> but Ryan, this is this is the first that Harry Kane's really had a season without a break. And, you know, he was a little bit older than the traditional breaking through. He he was a, what we class probably as a late developer now. Um, so this is really his first time he's been away at a major international tournament with an England team and hasn't had that break in recovery time uh, after it and he has started a little bit slower okay yeah he scored albeit but it's, it's a different animal now and then you've got Champions League those intensity of games you know they're big nights those Champions League games and you've then you've got to maintain your league form on top of it and you've got this tired player who's not accustomed maybe to, to playing international football over the summer could be problems yeah. Well, I mean, I think he's had that for a couple of seasons because was it? It was either the Olympics or the um, the England Youth Cup. 
He had the uh, year last good. season, didn't he? Um, yeah. Under 21s, didn't he? Yeah, so it's been for a couple of seasons because at the start of each season, he seems a bit slow off the mark. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how quickly he does manage to sort of power through this little period like and all, sort of fires on. Taking all those corners is bound to have exhausted him. <laughs> oh, yeah, well. <laughs> right, would you guys like a game? Yes. Okay. No. no <laughs> good luck. Well, you might be able to get away with this. This isn't so much a game as homework. Right, I apologise for this. This is a game foisted upon me by Ubifora Ross, who uh, Dave is the owner of Man on the Post. Um... This is a game called Wiki Races. So basically, I have to give you something that you start with on Wikipedia, and I give you another name, and you have to get there in the fewest clicks possible. All right? Okay. Do you understand? Yeah. So you don't have to do this now. You can tweet me in the week okay. with your answer, and you have yeah. to show me how you got there as well. You can't just say three or something. You know, you have to show how <laughs> you got there in that three. So, I did it in one step. <laughs> So, because Dave's here, we're going to give it a bit of a Scouse Brazilian theme. So, you need to key Stephen Stephen Gerrard into Wikipedia. Yeah. And you need to end up at Rio de Janeiro. Oh, okay. And you have to get there. Don't do it now. No, I'm going to put it. I'm, I'm going to put it into my notepad. All right. You can do this as well, Dave, if you want to. Yeah, I don't want to because that's, that's quite interesting. Yeah. Gerrard Rio. There okay. you go. Stephen Gerrard. I just Rio, think Rio. Rio, that's going to get a bit awkward. But... Well, you might go Ferdinand then, won't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's probably Wayne Rooney we could find it a whole lot easier, but <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, hints, I like that. <laughs> um, right, okay, so that's our quiz. So next week, Ryan, you're going to have to tell me how quick you got there. Okay. And your workings, okay? Yeah. Um, right, that brings us to the end of our podcast. Has anyone got anything they want to uh, mention at all? The other thing was, I saw a result from tonight's games, and it's um, Zenit versus Tel Aviv. Mm. Did, have you seen the result for that? No. Tel Aviv were 3-0 up against Zenit, and so Zenit were away from home. Tel Aviv were 3-0 up in the 70th minute, and it finished 4-3 Zenit. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> I saw a bit of a stat, and it was sort of like 70th minute Zenit scored, scored 80th minute, 85th minute, and then the 93rd minute. Dave, have we ever been involved in a game where a team's had to come back from 3-0 down? Lost count. Uh, no, well, uh, <laughs> Lost uh, bloody count of them. <laughs> maybe it was something like a trophy at stake. One particular game with a European Cup final in it. There you go. <laughs> oh, one thing. Um, anyone see the tweet from Mansfield Town? Yesterday. Uh, Mansfield Town tweeted yesterday, uh, due to unforeseen circumstances, our clairvoyant Tricia will not be appearing at the Bird Suite tomorrow night. <laughs> Uh, so there we go. Right, Brian, if they want to follow you on Twitter, how do they do that? Uh, they can follow me through my Twitter handle, which is at the Ryan Goodman. At the Ryan Goodman. Okay, Dave, if they want to follow you and the World Football Index, how do they do that? They can find me at DaveRN66, and you can find World Football Index. We cover the whole world with podcasts from all over there. South America, North America, Europe. We've got one coming in from China. It's at World Football I. World football, like yeah. Do you know what I will say? Um, I started listening to you guys about six months ago with all the Copa Libertadores stuff, um, and I don't know an awful lot about South American football. Uh, I don't pretend to know an awful lot about it, but I did find it very interesting. And on the back of your podcasts, I would go away um, and have a little look on YouTube at the results of the games that you were talking about. So 
I, I am really recommending this podcast to listen to. It's absolutely fascinating because you get, um, you get, you get football from South America, you get football from Central, North America, um, and you have, uh, like you say, China and the Far East, but you also have, I can't remember his name, but you have the, uh, the Latin guy on who says the Spanish names with such a wonderful twang as well. Oh, he's left us. That was Armando Angulo. He, he's actually left us. He works across Downfield Index now. How oh, is he? So, um, as I say, I'm stuck with a big redneck from Kentucky as my sidekick <laughs> now. So, you know, it, it, from, from eloquent, um, Spanish pronunciations, I now have, you know, y'all. He's got a bit of a potty <laughs> mouth as well, isn't he? Oh, yes. Just, just a shade. You know, he's, he's from the sticks. We can't, we can't help him. You can't educate them, sadly. <laughs> No, but no, it's a, it's a very good podcast and very well recommended. And also I recommend Dave's Twitter avatar as well because it's the best one I've seen in a long time. Thank you very much. It took me a while to find that one. Though. Did you? Oh, that's very good. Have you seen this, Ryan? No, I haven't. You have to go have a look. It's fantastic. Um, Ross and the guys are back on Sunday to talk about the um, uh, the games we've been previewing here tonight. Uh, you can download that on Acast, or you can download that on iTunes, or you can subscribe to both of those. Um, if you leave us a review on iTunes, uh, any five-star reviews will be fantastically received. We appreciate all of them. Um, any less than five-star reviews, you can email me, chris at themanapost.com, and we can have words. Um, if you want to submit an article as well, you can email me, chris at themanapost.com, and we will uh, put an article up there as well. So, um, all that must be said is thank you ever so much guys thanks for coming on Ryan thank you and thank you ever so much Dave taking time out coming on seeing us listen it's a pleasure and I very rarely get to be a guest in any podcast I have loved being on great guys thank you so much for the invite it's been a pleasure oh, thank you coming on again thank you if you invite me I'll be here absolutely yeah. I don't have to I don't have to edit it I'll be here <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, See, now you've just now you've just signed on for multiple appearances. Yeah, that's know? it. <laughs> uh, I'm retired here. I live in Brazil. I'm free the majority of the time. Anytime's a pleasure chatting to you guys. Oh, maybe we, we can come on. Maybe we can come on educate your guys a little bit on the Libertadores when we start back again in the new year. Well, we'd love that. Yeah, I and mean, we asked Jesse. She said she might come in as well. So that'd be fantastic. Helmets on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've been warned. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, what it makes me said is always keep your man on the post. Thank you.